Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. And I think there's something interesting at play here. What's, what's going on here is, if we, if we live our lives apart from Christianity, there's a question that that the sin of envy brings up. And it's this. Is there cosmic justice? Is there a greater sense of justice in this world? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I want you to consider that question. Because if we consider that, we kind of are left with a binary answer, right? Yes, there is justice, or no, there isn't. If you're not a Christian this morning, and you believe that there is justice, where does that come from? What is the basis of justice in our lives? If you answer no, that there is no cosmic justice, that everything happens by chance, everything is just a fluke. What would a world look like where there was cosmic justice? Where the wrongs of this world will be set to right at some point. You see, one of the things that Christianity offers to us is a world that is just. But envy perverts that. Because envy forces us to say that God is not just. That's what we see in the older brother, isn't it? His brother comes back from being assumed to be dead in some far-off country. And what does he do? He stands outside of the party. And he gives the servant and says, why are they having a party in there? What's going on in there? And the servant comes out excited and says, because your brother, who we all thought was dead, your brother is alive and he's home and your dad has cooked up Chateaubriand steaks and he's made an incredible sauce. It's a great red wine reduction sauce. It is incredible. You've got to come in and see it. It is fantastic. What does the brother, older brother do? He stands outside and refuses to go in. To the point where he's making such a scene that his dad comes out and says, says hey, I, the steak's inside. Let's, let's go eat steak. Let's have steak. Don't you want to eat steak? And his brother says, what? Look at all I have done. All these years, while he was out spending your money on prostitutes, I was here. When he was out blowing all your money, gambling and drinking, I was waking up early and working hard. I was doing the right thing while he was doing the wrong thing. And you know what? I never even got a goat. Much less a steak. It's not fair. It's not fair. I did the right thing. I'm in the right. City Church. For those of us who are Christians, very often our envy is born out of the self-righteousness that we find in the older brother. How come that person gets to get married? I know 
that they do not love Jesus as much as I do. They don't serve the church as often as I do. They don't read their Bible. They don't do CBR. They don't come to small groups. I do, and I don't get that, and so it's not fair. Jesus, look at all the things I've done for you. Look at all the ways that I have served you, and I've never even got a goat. Much less a fatty calf. See, when we read this story, when we think about envy, those of us who are Christians should unfortunately probably find ourselves in the shoes of that older brother. Constantly looking at what we've done, trying to hold it up to God to say, why won't you give me everything I want? Why won't you make everything in my life easy? Why won't you make all the hard things that I don't like disappear? Fix it, Jesus. When we act like that, when we look around at everybody else's blessings and refuse to open our eyes to the ones that Jesus has given us, we become self-righteous and we become isolated. See, one of the ways that, that envy works is it's constantly looking out for what others have. It's a focus on the life, the talents, the relationships of others. It can't see what God has given us. It blinds us to the things that we have and makes us only able to see the things that other people have that we want. And here's a really kind of kind of grimly thing about envy. It says, since I don't have that thing, I want to spoil it for you. Since I can't have the thing that you have that I want, it's not just that I'm going to be discontent, it's that I'm going to quietly work to spoil it for you. That's the grimly gross thing about envy. Is that it's not just jealousy. It's not just, I wish I had that. It's not just, I wish that I had that thing that that other person has. It's, I am going to quietly and subversively and sadistically work to spoil what you have. Church, envy is ugly to look at throughout literature because the seven deadly sins have been a, a part of our sort of Western canon of literature. Uh, greed, I'm sorry, envy is always the ugly one. It's always green. It always has one eye because it can only see one thing, the blessings of others and not its own. It's always this terrible, icky thing. And if you allow yourself the moment to look around, think about those you envy. Think about the ways that you have quietly murmured against them and said they don't deserve it. Whenever that person gets the promotion at work, whenever that person who doesn't deserve it gets the sale, whenever somebody else gets what you want, what does your heart say? They don't deserve it. I deserve it. You know what I'm going to do? You know, my friend at the water cooler at work, I'm going to quietly tell on them. This is, this is in some ways, this is Jim. Anytime Dwight gets something good. Right? But anytime that Dwight gets something good, Jim, who's supposed to be the average man, the one that we're supposed to identify with, Jim 
cannot stand it when Dwight gets something good. And so he actively murmurs against him. He actively subverts him and treats him awful. That's why Parks and Rec is better than yours. <laughs> but it is a genuinely cruel <coughs> impulse in Jim to the church. The same impulse that exists in you and I. When we decide that we're going to deny ourselves the food that we want because that person who we dislike goes to that restaurant. When the person that we're envious of goes to a certain class, goes to a certain time slot at the gym, and we decide that we're going to never go to that time slot again. When we change the way that we drive home, when we change the way that we go to work, we are letting envy begin to control us. And envy doesn't just control us, but it also isolates us. Because if I can't see the blessings that Jesus has given me, if I can only see your blessings, if I can only see the good things that you get, guess what? I'm going to become resentful of you, and so I can't be around you. And then when I begin to tell other people how I deserve something better, and how you don't deserve it, guess how we become to our friends? It becomes odious. Who's gross and grim when you be around? And so we further isolate ourselves. And what does that do? That makes us more envious of what other people have. It is a deadly cycle. And it comes to the point where we can't handle being around anyone because all we can see is their blessings and not our own. So as we work through these seven deadly sins, one of the things I want to show is not just what they are, but what's the opposite? So what's the opposite of envy? You know, at first blush, we might be tempted to, con- to think that contentment is the opposite of envy. Being content with what you have. But I don't think contentment goes far enough to be the true opposite of envy. What the true opposite of envy is? It's charity. It's the ability to participate and rejoice in the blessing of others. See, envy says, I don't get any blessings, and everybody else gets blessings, and I'm resentful of it, and I'm mad about it. Charity says, not only do I get to celebrate and see the blessings that other people have, but I get to participate in them as Well, and so as we begin to look at what the opposite of envy is, we see that this is not comparing. Charity doesn't compare what I have to what other people have. It celebrates what they have. Doesn't matter what I have. We get to participate in the joy of what they have. Doesn't matter what I have. And as we celebrate, as we participate, we may even get to the point of blessing somebody, of participating in their blessing to the point of my expense. To the point where I'm not just celebrating that they can have something, but that I'm actively giving what I have so that they might have more. City Church, that is foreign to us. The idea of actively giving away 
the blessings that we have been given so that others might be more blessed is not the way we are culturally trained to work. That does not work with me first in the guinea games. Because what I want is to make sure that I hold on to what little blessings I have, I think. And the idea of giving some of that away is just awful. But when you think about it, that charity, charity to the point of giving at your own expense is exactly the picture we see of Jesus, isn't it? See, Jesus was secure in who God said he was. Jesus was secure in the blessings that he had. And so, he was so secure that he was even willing to go to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the only truly unfair cursing in history. Jesus had never done anything wrong. Jesus did not deserve anything but the best of blessings. And did Jesus sit on the cross and say, God, hold on, not fair. How come they're getting the blessings and I'm getting the cursings? No, Jesus says, I will stay here. I will stay on the cross. I will endure the cross so that I might give as a blessing to my people the righteousness of God that I might give them all the blessings that are available to me. Jesus doesn't look at what's fair in his life. Jesus doesn't look around at the blessings others are going to get. Jesus willingly gives up the blessings that he had earned so that others might be blessed. He willingly takes on our curses so that we can find rest in him. So what are we to do about the evils of envy? About this gremlin monster? As, as Gizmo taught us, we have to expose it to sunlight. You see, the first step in us beginning to repent of our envy is if we are willing talk about it and say that it is real. And once we get to say that it is real, we can stop looking at others. And we can look at Jesus. You see, see, the cure for envy is not stop. It's not don't look at anybody else. No, the cure for envy is looking at Jesus and finding your value in Him. The cure for envy is seeing who Jesus says that you are and being secure in that. The cure to envy is being willing to see all of the blessings that Jesus has given you. Even if you find those to be meager, even if you don't think those are great, Jesus has blessed you. Take it to the sunlight and begin to be willing to admit that you are beloved by Jesus. You are his son and daughter. You are worthy not because of your performance, like the younger or older son, not because of what you have repented of, like the younger son, you are worthy because Jesus has called you by name. Not because you worked, earned, or performed to gain anything, but because of who he says that you are. Your blessings are not based on how well you did this week, this year, or even in this lifetime. It's because he loves you. It set his affection on you. 
That is beautiful. And when we begin to look at that, the gremlins will wilt away in the light of the sun. Let's pray.